Welcome to season three of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, Esports 101, Building a Business. Over the past year, we've talked with many esports professionals around the world. Our audience knows how to play games, and now they are eager to level up their skills in the business arena. This season aims to equip every esports entrepreneur with practical and useful knowledge to achieve success. Think of it as a mini course, Esports 101. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, and we are really, really happy to have everyone show up here today. This is our first LinkedIn Live here that we're 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 creating as part of the conversation that we're having on with the Gamers Change Lives podcast. The Gamers Change Lives podcast, if you've been listening to us, or maybe this is the first time you've heard about it, we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. And we've been really, really lucky over the past well, three seasons. We've been at this for a few months now. And, 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 and so we're, we, we've just been talking to so many different people uh, on the podcast and now we wanted to talk to them, expand our audience, perhaps a little bit here on LinkedIn, because it's very much a business conversation. So we're putting together a, um, a series of LinkedIn lives. We have a really cast here team for the very first one. Now, Reginald Masao, he was not able to make, make it here today. He's, he's the leader on this. So he gets, he gets all the credit for putting this together. But here, really, really happy to have have our guests today. And I'm going to have them give a really short introduction of, of what it is that they do, because that's easier than me going around the room and, and mangling people's names. So I'm just going to go across the the way I see the, the list here. And again, if you could introduce yourself, that'd be great. So I'm Sofian Al-Fidari. So thank you, Tom, for inviting me. I'm the, actually the, I have two hats. The first one, which is marketing and communication director of the Royal Moroccan Federation of Electronic Games. And the second one, it's the executive director of the African Confederation of Digital Sports, which we'll talk about it later, that aim to unite Africa around this ecosystem and have a professional and relevant ecosystem for our next future generation, the generations. Great, because that's something we definitely do want to talk about here. So, Brad, can you give us a little introduction? Yeah, hi, guys. So, thanks, Tom, for welcoming me to the first LinkedIn Live. It's an honor to do something first. I like doing firsts. Uh, I was credited with deploying the very first dedicated service for gaming in Africa way back in the late 1999, early 2000s, and created a lot of the first online tournaments and communities around gaming and esports. I'm currently the senior specialist for gaming and esports for a small little brand you may have heard of called MTN. We are the largest mobile network operator across the whole of Africa. So I'm really happy to be in this position right now. Great, great. We're happy to have you here. And Ronnie. Thank you, Tom, uh, for having me here once again. Good evening to, to everyone joining us here. Uh, I'm Ronnie Lusigi. I'm a 28-year-old Kenyan, born and raised in Kibera, the largest slum in Africa. And soccer and video gaming is what gave me a meaning in life since I was a kid. So I did a lot of soccer and it gave me an education. And through education, I've learned how to have some leadership skills in esports. And that's what I'm doing right now, leading Index G Esports as their CEO here in Kenya. Great, great. Because one of the things that I really was happy the way the Reginald set this up is we're talking about esports in Africa and we're getting to hear it 
hear about it from people who are actually doing things on the ground in Africa, which is great. I really appreciate everyone being here. First, maybe we could talk a little bit about the challenges that you guys face in Africa, because one of the things that I keep wanting to tell a story over and over again is things that, that we don't consider here. I mean, here in the U.S. or in, in, in a lot of part of the world, many parts of the world, it's like we don't realize what some of the challenges are that you guys face every day. So maybe we could start with you, Brad, talking about what, what kind of uh, challenges are, are you seeing there that maybe other people and people in other parts of the world may not be having? Well, there's quite quite a few. Mostly, it's access and the barriers to entry for for gaming, specifically esports, are exceptionally high. We don't we not we don't all sit across the same LSM brackets, and the, we're very much a dollar based economy. And even even your your mid entry, your like the new consoles, really are without they they're not within the grasp of of, of most of the mass market and most of the users that we have. So again, it's the, the, the barriers to entry are exceptionally high. We were touching on something before we went live with the, the, the crazy power issues that we have within Africa. You know, trying to, to run esports and do and schedule matches where online where some, most of the time, three quarters of your audience don't have power is also exceptionally challenging. So, I mean, those are just the two off of the top of my head. I think probably the largest one, and I've been very vocal about it for quite a while, is our ecosystems are a little bit broken compared to a lot of first world uh, territories as well. I mean, the the main reason why esports took off a, a decade or so ago was because a lot of the eyeballs started shifting and a lot of not even hardcore gamers, but the audience that, that esports would generate would be huge. So we don't really have an awful lot of viewers of esports in South Africa. We have a large base of players and a large base of dedicated gamers, but we don't have an awful lot of viewers who watch the local streamers and watch all of the the, the esports. So our, our ecosystems need to be adjusted accordingly. That's just yeah. I mean, on those three topics, we could talk for two, three hours, and there would be more. But that's that's it at a at ten thousand miles up. Yes, because when we've talked in the past, we've talked about servers, and yes. so that's it's always been a, a concern there. So, how about how about you, Ronnie? What are, what are the kinds of challenges that you see for esports in Africa? Yes, uh, I'll begin by agreeing with Brad uh, with, the, with the three main challenges he's raised, but also still on the ecosystem to just raise that whereas esports has has really grown as a commercially commercially driven avenue of the of, of the industries. In, in Africa, sports has normally been a social activity. So for, for esports to grow in Africa, it has been the challenge of trying to start it as a commercially driven activity where the background of sports that we have, other traditional sports, are hugely social. I think even Sufyan would say, Raja, I know Raja Casablanca, one of the biggest teams in Africa and in Morocco. They just recently turned into a company, I think it's a, it's a year or so, Ago, so imagine if such a huge institution, sporting institution, just recently turned into a fully commercial body. So you see, so the challenge has been really us dealing with externally with the global esports industry is that in Africa, you start things socially first, then commercially. 
but in other places, esports started much more commercially, and they are now speaking about it being a social activity, including everyone, including the amateurs and what have you. But we have a huge video gaming culture in across the continent in everyone I speak to. So I just add that to to what Brad said. Yeah. So what, what do you? So yeah, Sufian. What, what are the yeah. challenges that you're that you're seeing in in your part? Because because it, what's really interesting here, if I'm understanding, you're in Morocco, Red's in South Africa, and Ronnie's in in Kenya. So it's like we're we're covering all the bases. We're we're geographically there to some degree. And and so so yeah, Sufian. What are some of the challenges that you that you guys are seeing? Actually, the the, the I will speak as an institution more, so I can give another point of view than the one that Bradley, uh, that Brad or, or Ronnie gave that are relevant, of course. But f- from our perspective, the first challenge w- that we encounter as a federation or a confederation of electronic games is that we are a federation of several games at the same time. It's not like football or basketball. You are just focused on one sport. And uh, that's, that's need a lot of resources uh, to uh, know what are the communities that are the most important. And even if you organize something with all the, the, the main communities, the others will came on social network and saying bad things or going up or, or leveraging on this competition toxically to, to say, no, you have also to do competition or to invest also in the other uh, games. So that is a, 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 big, a, a big challenge that we face, that we have to choose, unfortunately, some priorities, the games that we have to focus on in terms of, of, of investment in as a federation or, or a confederation. So that's the first challenge. The second one, I think, and it's also related to what Rene said, Rene said, it's about the, the private sector. I think that uh, today I would give the, 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 the Moroccan example. We have the, uh, we have the support of all our ministry of sports, of education, of youth, of culture, and they know the potential. But the, 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 the government cannot do everything. They can support you. They can give you subvention, but it's the private sector that has to invest and esports so the brand can give high level uh, competition, high level cash price, and have a high level audience. We were surprised uh, to to see, for instance, for Morocco with the, our participation in the FIFA A Nations Cup, that the audience was good because we had like 700k unique viewer during the live during three days for our national team. So, so. It's it's like twenty five or thirty percent of the audience of the football national team, knowing that the football national team is broadcasted on TV, and we were just broadcasted on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. So the potential is here, but if we don't have the means of our ambition, and the, because today the 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 brands are a little bit uh, doubting about how they can engage with esports because the average revenue per user in Africa is low. We know it, but the potential in terms of quantity is high because the population is young. It will double within uh, 30 years. So, But if we succeed to have the right product and the right 
investment in the right product like orange money or like uh, the mobile banking for instance it was adapted to africa and it, it it succeeded so and today i think there are more people that have banking on mobile than the classic bank so that's it we have to to adapt our product so we can have in africa the the, the trust of the brand so the, the the ecosystem can go up i think those numbers are, are amazing when you were talking about the, your, your viewership there. That's, yeah, yeah. Th- that's great. And so, Brad, what would you say about public perception? Is public perception changing over time in Africa about esports? Are, 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 people, are people becoming more accepting or more, more understanding of what esports can do? Oh, oh definitely. But, but I don't think that's really just a, a new occurrence. I, I'm privileged to have you know, witnessed the birth of gaming from the arcades and seen the evolution and and, and standing on, on soapboxes for as long as I, I could to, and, and saying to to anybody who would listen that this is going to be the sport of the future, you know, and, and I was constantly, I mean, I'm, being in such an evangelist around it and have it being such a centralized part of my life, almost anybody who engages with me, I've spoken about it through the years. So to watch that change in people's opinions over the years has been phenomenal. You know, we used to have these uh, horrible connotations of being basement dwellers and living in our parents' basements and all these types of things. And that has slowly and organically evolved in time. I'm actually surprised nowadays when I find somebody who doesn't know about the scale and the size of the industry. You know, when I tell people that, like outside of esports, just from gaming and streaming, that there are guys, singular people who have larger audiences than most of the news networks in first world territories have and are making more bank than these huge networks are. To see somebody surprised at that nowadays is, is almost, is almost uh, a bit of a surprise. So yeah, I think people are, are being a, a lot more supportive. And that's specifically here uh, in South Africa. I don't know. Like further up, I think some of the, the territories within centralized Africa, they, they probably still have a little bit more biases that, than, than we do. But yeah, as we, as we push, as we lower the barriers to entry and as this becomes more and more of a, of, of a, a mass market sport, attitudes really, really are changing around it. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's always good to hear around the world. One of the things I want to find out if anyone here and Kwesi, who was going to be here, could, was probably knowledgeable about it, but the servers that were coming into Nigeria, the EA servers, does anyone have any information on, on what's going on there? Uh, not specifically with the, with the EA servers, but the, the server infrastructure has evolved radically, over, especially over the last five to six years. You, you may recall when, when I first spoke about it, servers used to be run by third parties and were very sort of independently run and operated, and you could control and run your own communities. As the online components um, of gaming has become more important than the offline components, that server infrastructure is now controlled a lot more by the publishers themselves because they're putting a lot more content out of it. And they try, well, some of them try and control their communities and have certain guidelines in place. Just to almost loop, loop back to uh, what Sofian was saying, you know, a, a lot of games, when they don't have those sort of controls and moderations in place, they get labeled with these toxic communities. 
And one of the challenges that he was talking about with all of the different titles, I think that's almost exciting. You know, most games have a limited life cycle. The games that we are, are, are playing today are not the games that we were playing five years ago or 10 years, 15 years ago. It's not like rugby and cricket and football where it's the same with minor rule changes over, over the, a couple of hundred years. So it, that makes it vitally important to how both the game, the game publishers, the people who own the rights and are managing everything that happens in that space, as well as the players interact with the title and with each other and how all of that is moderated. It's a, it, it really is a critical component. But because it's a limited life cycle, you can learn and you can see when there's a drop off, you can get things better and get things better and get things better. So it's a, it's, it's almost a great evolution. The, the industry forces itself to, to evolve. But not, sir, always, uh, uh, not always in the direction want, that we wanted to. But. I want just to add something about the servers because I think that lack of servers is, is something that is really important to mention and it was really a problem Sufian, for Sufian, me. Sufian, can, yeah. can I interrupt you just for a second? And could yeah, you no explain problem. a little bit about what, what servers do? Because some people in our audience may not understand the importance of having localized servers. Could you describe a little bit what the value is of having a, a, a nearby server? So I will give a, give a concrete example so they can understand. For instance, our FIFA uh, national team was first round playing from Morocco, okay? And the others in the same, the, the, the opponents was playing from Dubai, okay? So Kuwait or Emirates or Saudi Arabia that was were playing from the server of Dubai. So, and we were connected to the server of Madrid because server of Madrid is uh, the nearest one to Morocco. Okay. So when we play in the server of Dubai, okay, against an opponent there, and we are playing from the server of Madrid, even if we, we are, have a good level, we will lose 10, 11, no. Okay. Because once we touch the, 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 the button, it will have a ping. So a delay on the execution okay and and you know in the top level gaming uh, th that make the difference okay and we can play with the same team okay in the other server in spain okay and we will win 10 no so that's that's a, a concrete example so the lack of server was really a problem because we were obliged to travel each time to abu dhabi or dubai to play the qualifiers so we can have a chance okay so uh, we and we have many many examples across africa of very good uh, gamers in Africa that cannot compete because of this lack of servers. And and today we it's not just a matter of of servers. I think from my point of view, and that's what I wanted to mention. It's also a matter of credibilizing the institutions and the 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 win win partnership with the the editors. Okay, because the editors, many editors, knows that. Africa is the, 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 the youth future of the world. Okay. And they know the potential is there and it's where they have to invest. But today they are struggling with, with what? They are struggling with passionate people that knows the industry and they want to work seriously on that. Okay. So they, they, they today the, 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 the governments around uh, across Africa are not really uh, aware of the stakes that having the service in the country can have. Okay, so today that's why it's one of our objective within the African Confederation of Digital Sports is to talk globally 
with the editors for a strategy in Africa, sub subsidizing the, the region because North Africa has not the same problematic as South Africa or Eastern Africa or Central Africa. We have different. It's it's like we have five continents in one. Okay. And each one has its specificities, its specificities, its struggling problems. And we have to regionalize the, these kind of problems, okay? To have, let's say, regional competition, qualifiers, then having offline competition, perhaps, and, and such. And that's what our role will be as a confederation, is to globalize the debate with the editor so we can put together with the, the editor a strategy for Africa so all Africans uh, and all up, uh, African countries can have access to the qualifiers in a, let's say, an ethical, uh, an ethical manner uh, and have their chance to be in world championship. Why not? And why not uh, earn and uh, win the competition globally? But everybody playing on a level playing field. But uh, I certainly do like what you're saying and have to echo what you're saying about and Africa really sort of needs to come to, together and, and sort of approach these publishers for slightly different models and coming from an, a combined approach instead of working in, in isolation. You know, servers are not just for South Africa. Servers are for Africa, you know, and centralized locations. And with, with the rollout and with the prolific rollout of more content delivery networks, I think it's been a lot better in the last say, five to ten years from, from server infrastructure. And, and a lot of them are taking note. I mean, the ones that you were talking about with EA in Nigeria is also is, is potentially huge. We very recently had uh, official Valorant servers deployed in South Africa as well. And that, I mean, that's huge. So getting the right infrastructure here is, is one step. You know, perhaps the Blizzard and Activision would be next. Yeah. And, and even from, from the, from the console perspective, if we want to talk about localized servers, why, why do we not have great cloud infrastructure for gaming in, across the whole of Africa? We see the likes of Microsoft X cloud, um, running almost everywhere around the world where people have great access and lower barriers to entry. A system like that would be perfect for, for Africa if it was rolled out here. Um, and it's just simply not available yet. So, yeah, I agree. Africa needs this in a combined approach. So, so Ronnie, and in, in uh, Nigeria, I do uh, have at it. Oh, sorry. I was just to add on that, that we, we also have a duty to, towards the editor, as, as, so, as Sofian has said. Uh, you know, they, on Twitter right now, there's a common phrase in Africa now, make noise, make noise. It was said by a certain man, certain old man. So we have to make noise and, and the best way to make noise fast is, is data. We, it's our duty also to show these publishers the data. So we should also invest in, in data so that as, as I speak to some publisher in the West or in Asia, I'm able to show them with the numbers that you should put up a server because of these numbers. Uh, for you, for you to have a market. And also, I think events are, are normally a, a great way to also make noise because when they see you filling up arenas, when they see you having the huge viewership like uh, Sofiane and Morocco had in the, in the E Nations, they are able to see that there is a potential here. So I just wanted to add that tone. No, no, it's always good to hear all the, all the different perspectives from the different, different areas that you guys represent.
Sufian, I want to talk a little bit about you because we don't want to, we don't have a huge amount of time here. Mm. Wanted to talk about the Confederation that that you're a part of there. Can you talk a little bit about how it came about and what the objectives are? For sure. Actually, it it began with one idea. Working during two years with within the local market in Morocco, trying to build the ecosystem of electronic games in Morocco, and we we've we've quickly understood that without uh, a good representativity of Africa within the international institution and also the uh, with the relationship with the editors and the partners globally, we will not succeed even alone, okay? So from this idea, uh, we uh, built a project of uh, confederation, an African confederation of digital sports, and by digital sports, there are electronic games inside, for sure, so eSports. But we have also the simulating game that could be medieval uh, within the next Olympic Games or, or in 2028 in, in, in Los Angeles. So uh, for us, the objective was to unite Africa around one initiative. Okay, so it's not a Moroccan one. It's just an African initiative that aimed to collaborate with other stakeholders in African digital sports ecosystem and the video gaming industry. Also, we want to give the possibility to African gamers to participate in international and regional programs uh, and projects and not just competition. It's all about training, training of coaches, training of the players, of the referees, and also give the possibility of gaming to be an inclusion an education domain for the, our next generation. So to summarize, uh, we have a lot of things to do. Okay. It's just the beginning. We, one of the first priorities to be, to be straight to the point will be first to unite the national governing bodies and association recognized by the government because without the support of the, the governments locally for each work country, we will not succeed. So it will be our role and it was a uh, matter of a lot of time to regroup this kind of people that are passionate. They are here on esports for years in Africa, like Kwesi is not with us, but he's executive member of this confederation and the representative and the delegate from, from, from Ghana. So to regroup this, this kind of people that are passionate, they know the specificities of, of esports in Africa and also they they have they 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 know locally how it works okay and then we will push these people to become the federation of their country with as any any sports uh like football or basketball with the with the subvention to have to run local competition to have to to have infrastructure and from our side in the confederation we have to build global programs we spoke about editors before but we have many uh, we have uh, training as i said it's important without training we cannot go up in terms of of level we have to work also on education or inclusion on esports for for women and handicap so there are many many topics like that but the objective and the main one will be to globalize one entity that will implement all this strategy with one vision we can be not agree on on everything that's why that's why we will regionalize the strategy 
But I think these people that are around this, comp- this confederation and we have for now 41 countries and we have five, five others that contact us to join the adventure. So I think the main objective will be to work as a family for the best for our next generation, for Africa and for the best for Africa. Did you say you have 41, 41 countries? Exactly. For in the constitu- in in the, the the constitutive assembly that was uh, organized in Casablanca, twenty sixth of June, we had forty one countries present in in Casablanca. I no, I just think I just think it's amazing. I mean, good for you. I mean, that's to get that kind of a, of an organization to even to just have that first meeting was no small accomplishment there. So, so Brad, does the government is there much government support? or esports in your part of the world? It's a, it's a sensitive topic. Esports is recognized by the government. I believe at one stage it was recognized as, as a tier one sport. But we've had quite a lot of issues with our federations. So we get what we what we call, you know, when, when, our, when our international rugby teams go and play, they get what they call their springbok colors. So we have uh, the, the federation within, within South Africa is the organization who is responsible for giving both the provincial colors as well as the national colors. Um, the biggest problem there though is that the majority of gamers don't affiliate with the, with the federation. And that would probably be an entire episode on, on to pick that about on, 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 on why and how. And sort of how to fix it. I love what Sophian is doing with the with the confederation. I think having that sort of influence to resolve some of the federation issues and legacy issues that we have here may be one of the the, the ways to resolve that. But that's definitely been a problem that's held us back um, for, for quite a while. We do have uh, Springbok or pro, we call them pro tier esports athletes and players, but. The reality is that most of the people who represent, officially represent South Africa on the, on the international stage are, are, are not normally by far the best players that the countries are producing. The best players will, will not align with the federations and would rather play with other multi-gaming organizations and play within tournaments outside of that infrastructure. I'd like to see that changed, but it's not a, it's not a flipping a switch. Or, or, or changing a rule. It's a lot of legacy stuff that needs to be resolved. That's, that's why it's just, it's just amazing to me when, you, when I'm still stuck on this 41 figure. Because each one of those 41 countries, just like you're describing there, Brad, has its own history, has its own issues, has its own successes, its own challenges that others may not have that you bring to it. How about you, Ronnie? In, in, what's the government up to with, with esports in Kenya? Yeah, I think Brada said an important thing, and Sofian. I think we are we are past the recognition point. Uh, the governments recognize that yes, uh, esports is here and esports is there. So what we need right now really is the organization point is for the people in esports themselves to to organize to do the 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 hard work. Uh, as I started by saying, you may have liked how esports looks in Europe or in Asia or in America where it's too much of private entities. But the truth of the matter is that in Africa, you must organize around your national entity. That, that's the truth for Africa. You must uh, really work with government 
and you must align with what the government is saying. That's why you've seen sometimes African federations with problems with FIFA because of aligning their football federations with their laws guiding sports in the country. So in, in Kenya, the Esports Federation was founded in 2018, really struggled to take off, but it has started to take off. We, I personally support them on volunteer basis when they're having competitions. I'm, I'm putting on a track suit, a top that we were given when we went to the world championship last year. This is the flag of the, it's the logo of the National Olympic Committee. So at least the, the minister flagged off the, the team that is going, that was going that time to Istanbul. But we really have a lot of homework to do in terms of uh, national associations all across Africa aligning with the national regulations around sports. We cannot, we cannot evade that. And what Sofian are doing is really important because I found also in esports, maybe because also most of us are young, that there's a knowledge gap of how do you, how do you do this? You find people doing a lot of good work, but the knowledge gap of how do I fit into the regulations? Like in Kenya, you must align with what we call the Sports Act, which is a part of the constitution that governs all other sports. So it also helps when we have these unifying bodies in countries. They give opportunities. It's very hard for, for Kenyan gamers, if I speak for Kenya and East Africa, to get opportunities to play outside in international competitions. And these opportunities only come through being members of such uh, confederations or international federations. However, the leaders in, in the esports need to align with the, with the local regulations. We need to educate each other at all times. It's a constant education because sometimes you'll find some countries sending the people to the ICT ministry, others sending them to the sports ministry. So it's about educating each other, not tiring to educating each other but also being ready to to do the work. Having passion for esports alone is not enough. If you want to lead, you must be ready to do the work. You may be the most passionate in football, but if you don't get into FIFA and run in an election against Infantino, you can't give leadership in FIFA. Or in Africa, you 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 must get into the for the equivalent of football, you must get into CAF through your national federation for you to to contribute in that leadership point. So I think it's just a matter of consolidating the gains as we go and educating each other and, and taking bold steps like like Sofiane and the SCDS are, are taking. The other thing that we keep hearing, we've always heard on the Gamers Change Lives podcast is almost all of our guests, are they're all doers. You're all doers. I mean, you pick up the thing. You don't wait for someone's permission to do something. You're like, hey, here's a, here's a problem. How can we start tackling it? I mean, are we, are we going to solve it all, you know, by Thursday? You know, probably not. But but you're you're absolutely right there when you're talking about people need to, to be out there and 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 get get working on things. Want to ask as as we kind of go around here, what are you most excited about? About the most positive thing, the the thing that you that that makes you feel the best about the the short term future in your part of Africa. What, what is it that's like, this is really good. And we, you know, we're talking a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the problems, but it's like, look at, look at the bright side. What, 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 what gets you? You guys are all obviously excited about this or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be doing this, this, you wouldn't be working in, not just at this event. You wouldn't be working in esports if it didn't excite you, if it wasn't fun. 
So what is it that, that you're looking the most forward to, Brad? So I think doing more of what we've been doing recently, I think I'm very lucky to work with such a massive organization called MTN. And they... So could you could you describe a little bit about what 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 that is because that that that's not a company that we're familiar with here. Sure. So basically, MTN is a mobile network operator. So it, it's we provide mobile data and mobile handset on either prepaid or postpaid and a variety of different packages. We also have the direct fiber into the home. So we're basically a mobile internet service provider. That's a very basic, and I know a few internet people will throw stones at me for for saying it like that. But that's essentially what what we are. But we, so what what gets you excited? Well, I, I'm very excited that MTN recognizes that we need to democratize esports and really attempt to to lower the barriers to entry. I, I think my passion about cloud that I touched on earlier was, was very much apparent. I think cloud is definitely, or cloud gaming is definitely going to be a, a thing of the future. But I, I have to share a, a tiny little story with you. In, I was lucky enough to have working with a, a, a company that had huge budgets and I executed what is probably still today the largest and most successful esports tournament in Africa. And I ran a tournament for the total value of 2 million rand, the largest prize million money that had been seen in Africa to date. And that was very re- rewarding. It's rewarding to put that money into the ecosystem. At the beginning of this year, with MTN, we've been doing democratized esporting events. So there are no barriers to entry. We go into shopping malls and have a wide variety of different gaming, from high-end PCs to uh, to medium-end consoles to uh, mobile gaming and cloud gaming. And all people need to do is just come. So we move from region to region to region, identify the best players, and then bring them all together at, at our cost just to have them compete against each other. And on the very first one that we did, we had some young kids from very disadvantaged areas come and play, and they won gaming vouchers from our stand. And for me as a young kid, if I had won that gaming voucher, the very first thing I would have done is gone to go buy a gaming console or a game or put the money into the arcade. But these two kids, the one... Sorry. The one kid went to go buy school shoes and the other kid went to go buy stationery. And it it really had changed their lives and it changed their attitude and it changed their parents' attitude. And when their parents phoned me to say, like, thank you, it's amazing how how my kids wanting to play a game has given them an opportunity to address a need that they were unable to fulfill by themselves. That excites me. Uh, utilizing this engine to to literally change lives, and like your podcast is called, to be able to create more opportunities like that and you know, we may want to change the world, but if I can just change a few more thousand people's worlds, that'll be enough. That excites me. No, that that sounds great. That sounds great. That, it's a good thing to to be excited about. So, Ronnie, Ronnie, what what's exciting for you in esports? Yeah, what's exciting for me is to see that right now many more institutions are taking esports as a social activity. And you can see now the focus being on how we can use esports to combat crime, esports to to combat drug abuse. It's really exciting to me to see people attach purpose to to esports because I know what video gaming did for me. 
because as I said, I, I grew up in the largest slum in Africa and I value those 30 minutes, one hour that I went to a video gaming shop to play because at times you'll, you'll, you'll be lost for one hour. You come back home, a neighbor of yours was gunned down. That, that's the life we lived in here. So I really know the value of what video gaming can do. So I think I'm really excited about us using video gaming as a social activity where we can say if this thing can bring teenagers voluntarily walking kilometers to come here, let us use this opportunity for them not just to play, but also to learn life skills. For us to turn some of them to coaches, as Sofiano say, for us to turn some of them to photographers, for us to turn some of them to leaders also, because they are able now to teach others, you need to do this, you need to do this to become a better player. For us to make them role models in the society. When we were playing soccer when we were young, we, we used to say, when you become a popular football player in the slum, it's hard to engage in crime. Because if you were to do mugging and snatch someone's phone and run in between the houses, if people don't know you, you are gone. But if people know you and they ask, who was that running around here? They'll say, that was Ronnie. And we already know it's Ronnie who stole the phone. So if we take what you know, your skill, and make you famous and make you responsible, you find yourself less involved in things that may may not be pleasant or proper in the society. So I, I'd say about that, and I'm also really excited for, for people like Sufyan and the team at SCDS who are taking the bold initiatives to unite the continent of Africa around video gaming and esports. Yeah, thank you. All kinds of great stories. So Sufyan, what, gets, what, what, what are you excited about? Uh, thank you, Ronnie, for your words. But I, I really appreciate it. And I think beyond entertainment that gaming can have, we were talking about Atari with Brad. And I, I, I think that every one of us has, uh, let's say, a lot of memories about gaming and the entertainment that the, it, it gave us when we were kids. Uh, for me, uh, what excites me it is, is really the, the social impact that gaming can have. Uh, let me remind you that Africa is already facing a major demographic challenge. According to the latest United Nations forecast, we will be doubling our population by 2050, with half of this population having under 25. So this raise, this raises the urgent question of the capacity of our economy to absorb the millions of new entrants in the job markets. So I am really convinced from what I said, I saw in Morocco, but also in the world, that, that gaming can be the gateway to tomorrow's job for African youth, particularly all the professional related to IT development, to artificial intelligence, design, video production, streaming, content creation, and brand management even social management, all of this are something that the gamer is touching every day. So, and today a professional player is valued today on the job market. There are a lot of private companies that are recruiting today by through gaming because they know that a gamer is someone who has leadership, who take decisions. Uh, in average, I think I, I, I heard that during the FIFA Nations from one of the staff of Tim Gullit, he said that a gamer takes a decision each, each 10 milliseconds, okay? And uh, in each decision, he has eight options. So that's 
uh, that uh, show you the importance of taking decision as a, as a gamer. And today we we even heard uh, about recruiting gamers in the military level, in particular for pilot to pilot drones. Uh, we heard about uh, a lot of uh, gamers be, be be engaged in a leadership on, on digital for many 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 uh, companies. So I think that is what excited me, and I discovered it with with my professional experience that gaming has an impact, a social impact beyond the entertainment that it can give to people. It can really ch change the life of people, and that's what it's really exciting. And what will convince the government with our discussion? Because if we are just gaming to them, okay, let's uh, have a competition per year and play uh, around Africa. Com no, uh, what will convince them is the social impact that gaming can have on their society and the investment and the money that can be bring to their economy so they can have, as Ronnie said, uh, known people that can that cannot steal or do uh, something wrong in the street, but can be uh, uh, good citizens in their, uh, for, uh, in their fellow countries. One of the things that... Uh, we hear over and over again is is that esports is more than, than just playing games. Yeah, it's playing games. But it's like when we were talking to uh, say Gerald Solomon, who was using is using at NACEF, who's using esports as a way to teach life skills out there. When you're talking about the, we when we talked to this Victor Castro, who <coughs> who uses esports at West Point, the you know the military academy here in the U.S. Using esports as a way to develop leadership. You're talking about, Sufian, you were talking about the, making all these decisions and how that helps development, but it also helps in, in, in leadership skills. I mean, I mean, just think of people on your teams. There, there, there's leaders, there's leaders, there's followers, but you, you, how do you, how do you, you know, encourage the leadership side of things? And that just goes all outside of, you know, it expands beyond just, just playing games. So, uh, need to wrap up so, here because we could, we could just keep talking, keep going, going ahead, Brad. So let me add to that. I think some of the biggest things that that I've noticed and and are, are now proven, like gaming and uh, gaming as a whole, has a, an incredible amount of benefits from your hand-eye coordination, from being able to track multiple objects moving at different velocities in space. If you can see the quick calculations that people do in first-person shooters with different bullet velocities and how people are moving, it'll blow your mind. But also little basic things like perseverance, tenacity, basic problem-solving skills. And one of the biggest things that gaming teaches us, and a lot of us forget about this, you know, specifically in esports, in in a in a what is becoming more and more a soft bubble-wrapped world full of particip participation trophies. Gaming and esports teaches you how to lose. And that that really is very often a lost and forgotten skill. So mm -hmm. it's, it, to me, that's 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 important. No, that, that is a good point. And one of the things that you always kind of, you know, the kinds of skills, kinds of skills that, that people learn in traditional sports growing up can be translated into esports for a lot of people that maybe don't excel at, at traditional sports. Correct. So where, where can people learn more about what, what it is that you're doing? Sufian, this is where we're giving up. You get to give a plug for whatever it is that you're doing. So Sufian, <laughs> where, do, where can people learn more about what you're up to? 
so actually, we've created this confederation two months ago. We had last uh, last week a big achievement by uh, the recognition of our confederation by the International Esports Federation. So that's a first step to legitimate to legitimate the confederation, but also to start to work. We'll have uh, lately in September our first executive committee with the, the nomination of the different commission and committees that will be in the confederation that can be working on creating a robust working and sports-oriented environment that engage stakeholders uh, in the video gaming industry, uh, including government, companies, association, athletes. So there is one way to, to achieve that is to be together to build together a sustainable ecosystem for digital sports and video game in Africa. And I think that everybody will earn from that, will learn from it. And together with being one family with the ACDS, which is the logo of our confederation here in my hat, I think that is the only way that all the African countries can succeed and have their own legitimate body that can uh, manage our problematics because we cannot duplicate the Asian or the European or the American model within Africa. We have to build ours and we cannot wait for somebody else to do that. We have to build it ourselves. So that's what we want to do. That's great. That's great. Ronnie, where can people find more, find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, I forgot to mention I'm, I'm also a, a columnist for National Newspaper, one of the, the leading newspapers in our country. I write their stories around esports and video gaming. You can find my articles there on, on my LinkedIn page. You can find a, a link to send you to the articles I write there. Also, you can, you can follow me on LinkedIn and on Twitter, Ronnie Lusigi, and also check out Index G esports and what we are doing around, around, around the country. Among the things we're excited is we got the first university in Kenya to officially adapt esports. Mount Kenya University. So we are looking forward to towards the end of this year to host Kenya's first standalone university esports competition, which we'll be announcing more in the in the coming months. And also just to finish, Tom, you mentioned a leadership thing and Queen Arrow from Kenya is a very great example. I was with her in Nigeria when she hosted a panel in, in a discussion and uh, I was four years ago when I was seeing you on TV, you were very shy. Where has all this come from? But she told me how going to interviews, speaking to people, it has now elevated her to a point where she's now hosting people in the panel. And she did it so well, you could have thought she's a trade journalist. So really, I'm excited to see esports produce more leaders and more change makers in the continent. Now she She's amazing, isn't she? Yep, I adore her. I absolutely adore her. I was lucky enough to share a panel with her at uh, the Games Week, um, Africa Games Week at the end of last year. I think she's going to be a huge international superstar. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the traje trajectory of where she's just like, Ronnie, when you're talking about, yeah, when she's starting out, it's like, and then, but but she's, she's such a role model for so many different people out there. But one of the things she does is she, she learns, she, she, she learns and she uses that. And if that's something that not, not everyone is capable, um, to, to do it quite as easily. So 
Hey, I really appreciate all of you being here. Quasi was was sending me messages. He was not here, but trust me, we will we will, we will talk to him later because there's there's lots of other topics we want to talk about here on different LinkedIn lives. And um, since we figured out how to hit the right buttons, I did here because and one of the things I want to talk about is going in going to international events because it's just like every single time we talk to groups that have gone to events when we talk to Quasi's team that went to Bali and it's just like it, it that's really where so many things happen so there's gonna be all kinds of topics in the future but hey Sufiane Brad Ronnie really appreciate your time and and I'm sure that Reginald is Reginald did a great job on organizing this I I got the easy part of just coming in and talking so Really appreciate. I really appreciate the the crowd here because I was noticing over here some of the people uh, like like Baba is in the is in the audience here, and he's he's also has a great story to tell there that we will get to someday. So, thanks again. We'll talk to you later. This is the the LinkedIn Live version of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tom. Thanks Super. for hosting us. Thank you, White. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded. And so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at GamersChangeLivesPodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening.